This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide story that affects you. I'm Shayna Roth, and while the next few weeks are probably going to be filled with election talk, this week we're going to look at Michigan's so-called Little Bavaria. Frankenmuth seems to really be thriving now. And with me to talk about it is Paula Gardner of Bridge, Michigan. Paula, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Paula, you had a terrific piece recently called Frankenmuth Kept to Its Chickens During the Pandemic, Now It's Thriving. And as soon as I saw the headline, even, I I knew I wanted to talk to you about this because you seem to have found one of the few business-related success stories of the last few years. So what is going on in Frankenmuth and what makes them unique? Well, remember in the pandemic when we worried about everything involving hospitality, Hospitality has absolutely thrived in Frankenmuth. We know that certain cities like Ann Arbor or Grand Rapids or Traverse City, they're pulling in people and they're making money and they're struggling with certain things like staffing. Um, But Frankenmuth, as a small town in Michigan, is actually doing the exact same thing. How are they able to do that? What what are they doing that's, that's really making this work for them? To a person, everybody I talked to talked about how um, how united they were from the beginning. You know, side interests, uh, mask wars, we're doing something different, you're doing something different, that they put on a united front and just welcomed people back. And people who wanted to get out, who wanted to relive the fun times in Frankenmuth, they found ways to do that. So in, in addition to being unifying, they also tried to come up with some new things like like repositioning their holiday celebrations so that people people could go and expect other people to be in masks or six feet apart or whatever. So it could appeal to anybody in the state. Have we seen any other areas sort of come together like this, like Frankenmuth has? It seems to be a really unique way for a whole community to approach the problems of the last few years. I think um, there has been unity in many places, but I haven't seen it to the degree that is happening in Frankenmuth. That might be due to the generational businesses. It might be because many of them have history in town. And when you draw, and it's also a condensed area. It's a town of you know a few thousand people, um, and their business district kind of emanates from a few blocks. There will be surprises in those few blocks. There are a lot of different types of small businesses, and I feel like every time I go, every year or two, the the business mix changes. But the people at the root of it remain the same. Frankenmuth, which is a very touristy town, I remember going there quite a bit when I was a kid, is is really just a very of its own kind in Michigan. So what are some lessons that maybe other businesses or even regular people can take from what's going on in Frankenmuth as we keep weathering through the, the pandemic? Some of the things that I saw there was an unrelenting optimism. I saw that unity. I saw that um, that problem solving quality of that that kind of came in with the unity. You know, everybody was willing to help solve the hotel or the restaurant problem, and it wasn't just the hoteliers or the the restaurateurs. There was a creativity behind how they approached things, and you know, they have staffing problems, um, and they they talk quite openly about that. But they're also um, really willing to invest in the people that they have. And they have been for some time. They don't want their people to leave. You know, they want them to stay for a very, very long time. So there's there's an investment in holding on to the people that they have too, that I'm, I think a lot of people would like to have and perhaps have taken steps toward, but not, not to the degree that I've seen uh, storefront to storefront in that town. 
you touched on something that I was really curious about, which is the staffing issues. I mean, everywhere I go, there's we're hiring signs up. There's uh, enticements to try and get employees. I think I saw a McDonald's that's starting at $20 an hour. There's signing bonuses. There's all this stuff. What is Frank and Muth doing to deal with the staffing issues? Well, like I said, they're they're trying to hold on to their people. So they've gone to like some some bonus things, uh, paying for tuition. Uh, I think they were ahead of the curve in trying to raise wages, at least in some of the larger places, um, knowing that that they were a little bit vulnerable. Um, but they're also vulnerable because people left the industry. They left the restaurant industry and they left the hospitality industry in general. Um, you know, one thing that they're doing is, um, like in some some larger places, investing in technology or looking at efficiencies. Um, the best example I got, and I put it in the story, was a potato peeler at the Bavarian Inn. <laughs> you know, they go through, and I forget the amount, but like I don't know, probably uh, you know, a hundred thousand or more. <laughs> you know, way more um, potatoes per year. That's a big part of their signature dish, their family style chicken, and cutting down on how much time they spend on the potato peeling actually does pay off. Uh, But they're doing other things too. There's some software that they've used front of the house um, to kind of decide where they're seating people who can accommodate a new table. They've moved it to the back of the house so they know, you know, who's being seated when, when they're likely to get an order, you know, how many, you know, how many pieces of chicken to drop and things like that. You had an interesting quote from Brian Kelly, former lieutenant governor of the state and now CEO of the Small Business Association of Michigan. He said that Michigan is a tale of two cities. I love a classical book reference. What is he referring to here? Talk us through that. What we're talking about with Frankenmuth being different, and I've already mentioned Ann Arbor and Grand Rapids and Traverse City, but he adds some other cities there in Michigan that are actually doing fairly well. He even put Battle Creek on the list, which I don't think we think of as like a tourist or a hospitality destination, but there are some places that that are rebounding and, and maybe not doing as poorly as we thought. And, and just as a side note, um, you know, in Saginaw County, in, in Frankenmuth, in that zip code, they actually have nine more restaurants than they did in 2019. So that's a sign that, you know, when we're all waiting for restaurants to fold, this place has, you know, you know, not fulfilled that. They, they're actually doing better than we all thought would happen to that industry. Um, but with the tale of two cities, that's not the story across Michigan. Um, there are a lot of places that are struggling and they don't have the resources that Frankenmuth has, or some of these other places, you know, with the tourist interest. Um, these might be the towns where people just drive through, or they might be the places where there's one or two uh, destination type restaurants, as opposed to multiple plus activities to keep people in town. They're in a different spot, maybe even a perilous spot. He actually inspired me to try to do some reporting on that in the next couple of months. Well, when you do, please let me know, because we'll absolutely want to have you back on the show to hear more about that. Um, But in the meantime, let's kind of shift focus a little bit. You've been doing a lot of work covering the housing crisis in the state. And one of the most concerning parts of, of all of this is the lack of affordable housing, which is has now hit northeast lower Michigan, which you detail in your piece called Michigan's housing crisis has spread to Alpena, how $100 million can help. What is the current housing situation in Michigan and what is going on that makes Alpena either unique or sort of emblematic of the rest of the state? Michigan has not built enough housing uh, for several years. Um, So that puts housing at a premium. 
And as we saw housing prices go up in the, in the for sale market, there's been a corresponding um, increase in rental rates. So I think it, in many places in the state, if you're looking for housing, you're in for a shock. Um, and I think people who haven't rented in a long time have no idea how much renters are paying right now and how hard it is to find a place. Um, you know, you can't just go up to, to several apartment complexes with your date to move in in a month or six weeks or whatever, and then pick your favorite spot. Uh, that, that just doesn't happen out there. And people are paying way too much of, what, of their earnings toward housing, which is another concern um, structurally. In some areas, depending on whether you're an owner or a renter or, or somebody who's in the industry, you know, when, when housing prices appreciate, owners are excited, they see their value going up, you know, they might be able to pull some of that out as, you know, even though the, the interest rates are changing, you know, we've been able to, to navigate that as, as kind of a, a good thing in some respects, but around the state, um, like, the, it's not a good thing, you know, so like it, in Alpena, that's the example I found because, you know, Mishta is, is doing this work with the hundred million dollars that it's putting towards housing in these two separate funds. And they've, they've outlined these, these zones of where things are needed and Northeast Lower Peninsula and the UP are like acutely affected right now. There is not enough housing. There are too many people um, below 185% of the poverty line. So there's like this dynamic out there that's just shifting and making it really, really difficult. So it, I led with that story with an example of eight families who are living in the fairgrounds in, in Alpena, which stunned me. Um, you know, but part of it is price, part of it is quality, and part of it is access to jobs. It's like, the people who are doing that most likely are working. And that's the other problem. The economy is changing to a service-based economy, uh, which just pays less. So as prices are accelerating for housing, the earnings are stalled or declining and it, it, it just doesn't align. And when I think, when people talk about things like car prices, it's like, we're like, oh yeah, wow, $47,000. That would be a lot to pay for a car. Think about what that means for a used car. And think about what that means to a person living in say Alpena, greater Alpena, who has to drive 30 or 40 minutes just to get to work. You know, I mean, there's this ripple effect that, that we're seeing right now that that is housing, but it's overall economy too. And in certain areas, it's just worse. You mentioned that $100 million. I mean, what are some other things that the state should be exploring as a way to help out with this housing and to also sort of try and prevent some of those ripple down effects that you mentioned? The $100 million is a huge windfall towards housing. It also is not anywhere near enough. Um, so there's like no structural um, place right now to keep the money flowing. There's no way that it keeps the money flowing. Um, 50 million is going into a fund that was established many years ago and barely funded over those years. Um, so what happens next year? Like, we don't know. We're spending these ARPA federal, you know, federal or federal windfall and, and putting that money towards many purposes. But when it comes to housing, like this isn't the end. <laughs> this is just has to be the beginning. Paula Gardner is a reporter for Bridge, Michigan. Thank you so much for joining me here today on Mishmash. Oh, thank you.